0: Well I'm not a crook. That's one small step for a man. One giant leaf for a man. I have a dream. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. It transcends the senses.
1: This is Murder of Grey. Hello, I'm Christian, I'm Chris, and this is the Murder of Grey podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us once again as we dive into our own minds, I mean, dilemmas, moral, ethical myths, everything that makes us tick, makes us think about the world around us. And because it is spooky month, we have to continue with our spooky trends, of course. So we are going to be diving into some myths out there. There's plenty of myths when it comes to cryptids and all that stuff around the world, but we wanted to look a little bit more local. So we're going to be looking at regional myths, some spooks some frights from right in our own backyards. And uh, we're starting very close to home. (laughs) We're doing (coughs) like the Southwest, Southwest United States, basically. So we have like the Californias, the Arizonas and all that good stuff in between. Now there is so much in just this one area of the United States when it comes to myths and lore and all these weird beasts and strange sightings and everything like that. So we're gonna give you guys a couple, right? Like we're not gonna overfeed you guys because there's gonna be a lot to it. And we are gonna continue looking into this stuff as well because it is very fascinating to dive into this. And there's some that out there that we've looked at and i know that for one of them that i have there has been some scientific research done as to trying to explain this myth and what is going on behind it which i found very fascinating because it doesn't seem like that happens a lot right there there's the the ghost science right where they pull mm-hmm. out their their white noise meters and all that stuff right and try and put science behind it but there's some actual research that was done behind one of these guys so i'm very excited to kind of like bring it out uh to your guys information and all that good stuff right so i know that you are the one that really like uh drove home this point and made me very excited to talk about this stuff too and i know it's something that you're like really into but what kind of like spark the curiosity now. I uh, out of nowhere to really dive into some of these myths and urban legends in our own backyard.
0: I've always been a sucker for this kind of stuff. Um I I guess growing up I was always interested in like folklore and legends. And you know, while most of them are kind of cool, of course I gravitate towards the, the scarier ones, right? The ones that parents tell you to scare you off from doing something dumb right oh you shouldn't play down the street in the middle of the night because there's a creature that comes out of the rain gutter you know like that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff and i've always been fascinated by it and oddly enough like i was always so interested in other countries scary tales that i never really looked locally you know like there was definitely times where i heard stories in the area that i lived in but i never like actually dived into like oh what tell me some stories in california and surprisingly there's a lot and i mean it makes sense right california is pretty old in a lot of ways right like it's seen many generations of different walks of life and uh it's fascinating. Like when I thought of this episode, I was like, oh, this shouldn't be too bad. Like there should be a couple that are easy to pick, but up until today of this recording, like, I kept finding cool and cooler stuff. And I'm just like, oh man, like Someone can go on and on about this for hours, how many different stories, and a lot of them are different too, which is cool. Like it's not like, oh, the lady in white, you know, is down mm-hmm. this highway, and then someone up in like San Francisco has like, oh, the lady in white on the Golden Gate Bridge, you know. It, it it's a lot it's of not these like stories the top hat
1: guy, right? Like there's a there yeah. are the ones that are shared across the entire world. These ones mm-hmm. are very centralized to the area. And they're very unique and very different, right? Like, I'm sure some of these have counterparts but under different names in different areas. But it is very fascinating to see how much of variety we have here and how ingrained it is in so many, like you said, like so many different types of culture that have lived in this area and how the stories and myths have started to mix and change depending on which culture uh, like, rep- or is being represented at that moment, right? Like, it, it's very mm-hmm. cool.
0: Yeah, and so I just got, like, super interested in it because it's just, like, I don't know. It's cool. It Honestly, like, I I feel like there's thousands of this out there in existence, but no wonder so many people do stupid, you know, ghost story, like, YouTube channels and podcasts Mm -hmm. because it's, like, it's kind of endless content. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like, you got to have this good voice and get into it and... You're set like I'll see people describe stories and I'm like, oh, man, this person doesn't do a good job, but they're freaking breaking in 100,000 views. I'm like, really? Mm -hmm.
1: This stuff gets people interested. And what's crazy, too, and right before we start recording this, we were going over some of the ones that we had and we both even said, too, that every single one of these could be an entire episode on its own. Mm-hmm. right like there's so much to dive into so like it, we're gonna give you kind of the footnotes of these but we might start diving into these at a much deeper level and actually bringing one story and really fleshing it out in an entire episode and I think that would be a very fun way of uh figuring out how people think right like this is baked into our psyches this is such an amazing study into the psychology of humans and how we react to the unknown, right? To the shadows that lurk behind the trees and we give them weird names like the hide-behind, my favorite cryptid, because <laughs> it's <laughs> so ridiculous. And I definitely want to do an episode on the hide-behind because we have to. I mean, can oh, you guess yeah. what the hide-behind does? I mean, it's so cool. It hides cool. behind, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's probably the... Been- <laughs> It's ridiculous. Why can't they give it a cool name? Right? Like everything has such a cool name and then they have the hide behind, but whatever.
0: <laughs> and you see what it supposedly looks like. And you're like, Oh yeah, it, it perfectly fits a hide behind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or like, it's funny. Some renditions of it are like a shadow that is exactly the same size of a tree, right? That's hiding behind something, but it might be kind of peeking out a little bit, but then you get those other ones that are from like way, way long, like old, old books that were drawn about this stuff, and it's like a dog behind a tree <laughs> that's mm-hmm. standing up on its two feet. It's like, I don't know what the hell this is, <laughs> but it's great and regardless. So yeah, there's, there's all kinds of content here that we can definitely start diving into, and uh we're excited to bring it to you guys. But why don't we jump right in? So do you want to start with one of yours and share with the class what you brought?
0: Yeah, so... First, we're going to start off with the Red Ghost. Um, To give a little bit of backstory.
1: Oh, hell, Red Skull. Just kidding. All right, go ahead.
0: The Red Ghost is a large red... Wow, I can't speak. A large red camel with bleached human skeleton on its back. Mm -hmm. Um, It was alive during the 19th century, but disappeared pretty much right before the the 20th. Uh, There's a reason why. As well, uh, in 1893, a farmer supposedly shot the camel, and did indeed find a human skeleton on its back. Hmm. Now, if you're wondering why there's a camel uh, in the 1800s in the United States, <clears throat> there was an experiment done by the uh, U.S. government or you know, the army at the time hmm. uh, called the Camel Corps, and basically they brought in a bunch of camels from the Mediterranean region uh, and wanted to train them over here and use them as transport, right? Because camels can carry a lot more than a horse. Yeah, makes sense. And it was actually being used uh, for a good chunk of it. But the only reason why it kind of failed was the main spearhead behind it, Jefferson Davis, for people who don't know who that is, he left to join the U.S. Army and join the Confederacy. And was basically like the, the head honcho for the Confederates. And because of that, you know, the U.S. Army, they're trained with horses and, you know, mules. They're not trained in camels because, I mean, even though you think they would have the same temperament, they don't. And I can only imagine, right, you're pre-internet you you have no idea of the outside the old world right Mm -hmm. you see a camel and you're like what the fuck is that you know like they look weird enough already i can't imagine you know 200 years ago 300 years ago what people thought a camel looked like oh yeah so all these camels got displaced um there was never really like a roundup of them they just kind of started roaming. Uh they let him loose. They didn't like, you know, put him down or nothing. And so it was believed that this camel was one from that corp. And on its back, uh, there was so it it terrorized people, supposedly, right? Like it supposedly people say, oh it killed a woman, oh it raided a camp and injured someone and it always had like red hair
1: a camel killing someone okay
0: (laughs) yeah and supposedly five people shot at it and the only thing they hit was the skull which they noticed oh there was red hair on the skull Hmm. so people were like oh maybe it's a skeleton well when that farmer shot the camel uh He looked at the the body, and apparently the body had been strapped onto the camel for so long that the straps actually created, like, permanent scars on the camel. Oh, poor thing. So people weren't really sure how a person got strapped on there. Some people thought, oh, maybe it was, like, a a prospector who, you know, was thinking the camel was going to take him to water. So he strapped himself to it, hoping that the camel would eventually get to water Hmm. or it was, you know, someone maybe from that military group or something that decided to take the camel, but ended up just dying. But
1: that's what it sounds like. Yeah.
0: Like, can you imagine that? Like, you're just in the middle of the Wild West. Uh, This was in Arizona. So you have to think like these camels came from the East Coast you're chilling on your farmstead, and you see this weird four-legged creature approaching you with a skeleton strapped to its back. Like, yeah, that had to have been weird.
1: That yeah, especially in the 1850s, right? Like, that's that's yeah. a weird. That's a weird time frame to be de- introduced to a camel, let alone one <laughs> with a skeleton on its back. Years out there just kind of on your own land. Probably haven't seen someone in months, right? Like yep. another person. And over the hill comes a freaking camel. Yeah, I'd be <laughs> scared shitless too, right? Like I would be very concerned because not that many camels were even brought over for this little test, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it says only 70 were actually procured for... The the Camel Corps, as they called it. Very clever name, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, like, so only 70 camels were out there. And it was a military thing, so that they probably weren't, like, paraded around or really spoken about. Because this was, like, a small little thing that they were proposing, right? Like, they were testing this out. So, yeah, like, that's bizarre. I mean, obviously, to the rest of the world, a camel is, like, whatever, man, it's a camel. But... To us, like we don't see camels. I have to go to the zoo to see a camel. Right? Like Yeah. That's, that's if I saw a camel in my backyard right now, I'd be like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> it's like, how did you what? So yeah, I can only imagine how they were how they felt back then. Cause it is a weird looking thing,
0: right? Like Yeah, it's long neck and it's got that big bump.
1: I'm curious about the red though, right? Like I don't know, camels are aren't red, right? They're brown.
0: They can be more orange, I think.
1: Mm. Maybe it like over the years it got redder and redder in the stories, right?
0: Yeah, I, I like to think of it as like you know how like generate different decades will have kind of like a filter visually, like in movies and stuff. <laughs> I like to think of the eighteen hundreds as having kind of an orange kind of filter, like it's you just seen everything's a in sepia
1: tone. <laughs> like... it, it, basically, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: That makes Before sense. Before the piss filter started overtaking yeah, the world, that's
1: that's why it was the red camel because of the sepia filter that was yeah. put over the world. <laughs> it stained their eyes. That's why that's why whenever you, uh, we have filtered now for Wild West, it's always sepia tone because that's what the world used to look like, you know. No.
0: Exactly, and for the <laughs> longest time, it was black and white. Like the world just had mm-hmm. black and white filter on it.
1: Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. No. <laughs> Oh gosh, that's funny. That's such a weird one. I like that. Trippy. All right. So, I'm going to take us over to the Santa Lucia Mountains of California. All right. And this is uh like this lore right here. This is about the dark watchers, right? And they it seems to happen a lot dur in like coastal towns. Uh but this one specifically here at the Santa Lucia Mountains. And it was—it's uh, been around for a while, right? This—the the sightings of these dark watchers have been around as long as we can record history, right? As as long as there is recorded history here, from the Indians, the Native Americans first actually uh, speaking about these guys, to actually the um, like Latin settlers, conquistadors coming through the area. They also claim to see the Dark Watchers, right? Mm. But they called them the Los Vigilantes Oscuros, right? Which means the Dark Watchers, like literally translated to that, right? So Mm. these explorers that were going through the mountains in the 1700s happened to report seeing the Dark Watchers. Now, a lot of, there's a lot of different versions of the Dark Watchers out there, uh, a lot of different ways in which it's been portrayed or talked about, but the there's a few similarities between them. Most of the time, it is just a very large, shadowy figure with uh, two white eyes. Sometimes it might have a brimmed hat, uh, but they're usually very, very tall. They range from seven feet up to 15 feet in some accounts. Uh, they're said to be wearing cloaks, so their figures are obscured by this shape, right? So they're very triangular in nature. And I mentioned that only because there is some theories behind the shape itself that might relate to as to why the Dark Watchers appear. So the Dark Watchers only come during late afternoon and twilight hours in this area. And for people who don't know, and yes, this is an audio medium, so I will explain the terrain a little bit. Uh, it's a seaside <laughs> town right, or a seaside area. So the mountains are right on the edge of the ocean, right? And the trees that are there are typically pine trees or redwoods, right? So they're very angular, right? And they're very, very tall trees, okay? So that's the kind of area you're going through. You think very heavy forested area. Now, the uh, what happens here is that the dark watchers never do anything; They just watch. Right. There are some stories of uh, people getting abducted by the dark watchers and all that, but there's not really much to that. Most of the time, the dark watchers just give a feeling of being watched, a feeling of anxiety that yeah. you, that you shouldn't be there. Right. And it's that is a lot more jarring than anything else that I can I can think about, right? And the Dark Watchers in this area have actually been written about by a lot of people, uh, including uh, the author John Steinbeck, who wrote in his story, Flight, he spoke about the Dark Watchers. Uh, he said in his book, he wrote, Pepe looked suspiciously back every minute or so, and his eyes sought the tops of the ridges again. Once on a white barren spur, he saw a black figure for a moment, but he looked quickly away, for it was one of the dark watchers. No one knew who the watchers were, nor where they lived, but it was better to ignore them and never show interest to them. They did not bother one who stayed on the trail and minded his own business. So everyone who writes about this stuff or talks about it mentions that just leave them alone. Don't go after them. Don't don't antagonize them, Right. But you just can't help but feel like you're being watched the whole time. So that's really what the dark watchers are. And a lot of people have said that they've seen these things. And I'm sure how many times have you been out, you know, on a hike and you get that feeling, right? Like that kind of uncomfortable feeling that someone might be around that bend. Someone is real close by or you're just being watched the whole time. Because I know I felt that for sure, where you just kind of all of a sudden feel a little uncomfortable, right? The hair on the back of your neck starts to stand up a little bit. You get the tingles down your spine, all that kind of stuff, right? The cold sweat, sometimes if it's really severe, that sense of anxiety filling your chest. Well, some, there's some popular theories about the dark watchers themselves. And some people actually believe that it could be a result of, I can't really say this word properly, but it's it's paridolia. Pareidolia. Uh, and it's a psychological phenomenon where the human brain seeks out recognizable or familiar patterns and shapes in unclear and in unfamiliar re- images, right? So, with that, you think, right, it's starting to be twilight. It's getting late afternoon, right? You're out in the middle of the forest and it gets really dark really fast in the forest. Uh, because the sun gets blocked out by the trees and all that. So these figures that you're looking at start to kind of lose their shape. So some people are saying that due to that, plus the lack of oxygen due to the high levels and elevation and possibly the exhaustion of hiking through the mountains themselves will actually bring on the idea of seeing figures that aren't actually there or giving shapes to shadows and trees that are just that, trees, right? Uh, so I thought that was a really interesting way of kind of breaking it down. And it's it's one that is, I mean, it's a popular theory and it's definitely something that we've all have dealt with before or, or like noticed before. Like how many times have you looked up in a cloud and saw a different shape or saw a face or something like that? That's exactly what this is. You're just kind of putting an image or something to a uh, unknown shape or just a, a blob or entity. Right. Now, another theory that I find very fascinating uh, is actually infrasound. Right, so there's a phenomenon due to sound that can actually change how we feel mentally. Right, and we've heard we've we've seen this before, and you know there's certain types of music that change our mind or our our mentality, change our feelings. How right, like. When you're sad, you play sad music, right? Like there's different tones and things like that that can help change your own mentality. But apparently between 7 and 19 hertz, uh, just below the normal range of of hearing for a human being, we start getting this sense of anxiety. And what's interesting is that that sound frequency can actually be generated by wind. So if you're thinking you're on the coast, so it's very windy sometimes, you can generate these sound waves from infrasound between 7 and 19 hertz that actually create this sense of anxiety and being watched. Now, like, that's crazy to me. And it's, it's cool science to think about, right? Uh, and I guess in 2003, a psychologist, uh, Richard Wiseman, yeah, Richard Wiseman, he did a study Using infrasound, and he actually did it in a concert of 700 people where they started playing tones around the 700 hertz level. So it was just on the edge of human hearing, but it was throughout the entire concert of 700 people. And 22% of the audience reported feeling incredibly anxious, uneasy, or even fearful. And some even reported a pressure on their chest and chills running up and down their spine. So it's could be the fact that, you know, the shadows are starting to creep in and your mind is trying to put things together and you're just accidentally creating figures with these shadows. Plus, with the wind rolling in, it's adding to that whole anxiety level there. And then you tack on the whole fact that you're exhausted from a hike. You're up in the middle of nowhere. You're by yourself, which can be relaxing. But most of the time, there is that slight sense of uneasiness sometimes that comes with it that could be leading to the idea behind the dark watchers themselves. So I, I I love this. one. (laughs) I think it's very fascinating to see the science behind it. And like logical science, right? It's not just random thoughts and things like that. But with how long the dark watchers have been around and how many people have said that they've seen it, it's tough to not think that maybe it is just
0: the wind. I hate that feeling of something watching me. I think we all do. So much. <laughs> like, like hills have eyes kind of thing. Like, oh I don't know. I feel like I used to feel that way even in my own, like where I live.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right, same. Like,
0: I, I hate to sound crazy, but it's like I don't know. Every time, like as a kid, you know, like I would always think there's some kind of being around the corner, and like if I just kind of stare at it long enough, I'll see like a little like shadow or something kind of peep out for a second, like it's watching me. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Yeah, I I totally feel like there. I'm wondering too, like because with anxiety on the rise and everything like that, and looking at the infrasound theories, like. Everything generates a noise, right? Mm -hmm. But you might not be able to hear it all the time. And we have Wi-Fi signals in the air. We have all this stuff. We have all these things charging. And even when you plug in something to charge, there is a slight buzz. Sometimes you have to get really close to hear it, but it's there, right? And I'm wondering if it's within that range where it might be generating a sense of anxiety for people. And the more that we are surrounding ourselves with technology and, you know, I can't say anything bad about technology. I mean, we're recording a podcast. I teach classes to make robotics and play video games and all that stuff. Right. But I'm wondering if they're with all this noise that's being generated by these man-made objects, if they are within that range that is kind of leading to excessive anxiety within our society. Anxiety in the society, yeah
0: <laughs> sounds like one of those anti five g statements,
1: no yeah, I know it does right, but maybe there's some truth behind it, right, like I never knew about infrasound it's entirely possible
0: it is fascinating to look into, yeah, there's a lot to it for sure, well, I'm taking it back to Arizona, well. I guess this is kind of mostly just in general, like the Southwest and South. Uh, mm. Cause I always thought, I always knew it was like uh, a thing from Mexico. But a uh, big story I found, is, it's in Arizona, but La Llorona. Mm, yeah. Basically. So that, that's um, such a big,
1: but that's a big Mexico myth too, right? Like.
0: Yeah, and I've seen videos of people where it's like they hear some lady just sobbing really Mm -hmm. loud in the middle of, like, a town square, you know? But for those out there that don't know, it's the Weeping Woman. Um, And according to, like, Arizona lore, right, uh, her name was Maria, and one day she married a very handsome cowboy. Uh, A dream she had for ever since she was a little kid. After having kids and living with this cowboy for a long time, uh, she finds out that he's been cheating and she loses it, uh, drowns the children in the river Mm -hmm. and she like, can't believe she did that. So she runs off and supposedly she trips and dies from falling. But, Legend has it that, you know, you'll hear, like, a woman crying randomly, uh, and she'll lure you in kind of thing. Um, I know it's different for different regions in, like, regards of what would happen, but I don't know. Hearing, like, a person crying in general is already unsettling.
1: Yeah. And then, like, have you seen the videos, the paranormal videos sometimes? like, I, I hate them. Oh, my gosh. Where they, it's just a random town or a small area. Like, I, I even saw one from, like, the Philippines where they thought it was that. And it was in an abandoned house. And it just showed cops going in and out. And they're like, we can't find shit. Right? And eventually, one cop comes out with just a white dress. And that's it. And you just hear... Like this blood-curling screaming that will not stop. That's coming from inside the building, but they claim they can't find anybody in there. Right? Like it's so disturbing. And I know that like it, it was used as one of those like, oh, don't act out, right? Don't be a bad kid, or else like we'll get Lava to come and get you, kind of thing, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to scare kids. But it's a very sad tale, right? Like it's. I mean, obviously, the woman was very tragic. And it could be very much based on true events, right, where this happens a lot, where mothers go through a postpartum depression, right, and after having a child, and they can do some, some horrible things to their kids, or they completely disassociate from their child themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, There's that movie that just came out. Um, oh, gosh, what was it called? The, the Bone Woman?
0: I oh i i've been wanting to watch that movie
1: yeah that was really really good um it's hucera the bone woman right mm-hmm. and it was so good but it had that in it right where it's like this disassociation from your own child and it is very very interesting take on that and it's a sad it's a sad thing right it's a sad thing that happens but it's a very interesting fun myth for sure yeah, I don't know what I would do if I heard some blood-curdling screams from next door or, right, or down the street as you're just walking by.
0: Right, like imagine you're on vacation and you're in some kind of smaller town and you're just walking and you hear that and you're like, like do you, you want to go run and maybe okay. try to save who's ever sad or are you just going to book it? Because honestly, I think I would book it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think most people would, right? Which is kind of sad too in its own sense where... instead of trying to help somebody we just go away but it also is due to the fact of these crazy folklore myths I, i think that that all these myths and things like that have built up on one another to build how we view society nowadays to where we are afraid to interact with other people because it might be a woman trying to take us to hell for some reason right like (laughs) <laughs> like, right. even if you don't fully believe that that's still there in your mind right you can't say it's not right like or someone's trying to do you harm or even like the last episode when we talked about the halloween or trick-or-treat myths right like that didn't ha- really happen like it's okay you can go let your kid trick-or-treat but there's still so many parents that are afraid of letting their kids go out and trick-or-treat nowadays right like so it's it's kind of interesting how it's really changed and molded are the way we look at each other right these these crazy myths and legends
0: yeah so. poisoned trick-or-treat candy yeah razor
1: blades in your apples and all that stuff <laughs> like, yeah okay yeah
0: stupid well first
1: of all who's giving out apples right like the kids are gonna give yeah. apples back with razor blades if that's gonna happen right
0: <laughs> this is in the nineteen 19- <laughs> 20s, like no one's giving out apples. Apples are expensive nowadays,
1: right? And even back when the treats were originally thought of, it was pastries, it wasn't like little fresh fruits and stuff. No,
0: <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: All right. So, we're going to be talking next about the skinwalkers or shapeshifters. So, skinwalkers are kind of everywhere, I would say. Th- this myth is. Portrayed in a lot of different areas, but we're going to be kind of diving more into the Navajo Nation itself or the Diné people. Um, so like Skinwalkers, they are it's kind of a trip to really think about it because it's a person, usually a someone who has magical powers. It was mostly a witch uh, like a witch doctor kind of person uh, that might have fallen into some dark magic or let their own powers overtake them to now they are a skinwalker. Uh, And skinwalkers, they are people who are able to basically change their shape, right? So think werewolf, that kind of stuff, right? But it doesn't always necessarily have to be a dog or a wolf or a coyote. They have been known to change into other things as well. And there are some scary stories and videos and footage of skinwalkers that are kind of hard to explain, to be honest, and they're a little disturbing because another thing that skinwalkers can supposedly do is mimic voices as well. So mm. it can mimic the voices of a loved one, of someone you know, or just cry out for help from something or somebody that they heard of the past. So they kind of like parrot what they hear, right? So it's uh, it can be very interesting because they are known as great deceivers. Right, they disse- or they deceive people into getting too close to them, and then that person gets taken away. So it's the the stories start kind of all over the place. There isn't really like a direct link to a specific event or timeline uh, in which the stories of the Skinwalkers first kind of came about. Uh, but there are obviously from the Navajo Nation. There's some stories. Uh, in Germany, also in Indonesia, dating back to maybe forty-three thousand years ago, of the shape-shifting creatures uh, or people, as it may be. But for the Navajo, they were looked at mostly as witches. Um, most of them were actually male witches. Which, uh, whenever we hear the term witches, we don't think about that. But you know, it is synonymous of every <laughs> culture, right? It's, it's not just a woman, right? So there are different ways in which skinwalkers can come about. It's not something that's just born into it, right? Like I mentioned earlier, like they can be witch doctors that have kind of dove too far into their dark magic itself. But they, there was a lot of stories within the Navajo Nation of people who went against the norm of their culture or people who performed a heinous act or, you know, like killing a family member or just doing something outright horrible, they were said to potentially become a skinwalker themselves. Uh, Because a lot of these people got banned or shunned from their society, so they were kicked out of the tribe and they were forced to walk the land. Well, you know, it's possible that they were seen with coyotes and maybe people think that they were then morphing into those things right there there's that kind of stuff but what's interesting is the abilities of the skinwalkers themselves these are much more than just your shapeshifters uh, that are you know werewolves or things like that because they've been said to change into things like coyotes wolves foxes bears even owls as well uh so and one of the big things that they claim that they can do is they can read people's minds or even control animals at night, right? So they can dive into your deepest recesses of your mind to know exactly how to get to you, how to make you feel safe in their presence, right? And it's very very creepy when you think about that. Cuz most I would say that like most cryptids and things like uh, of this nature, they don't really dive into your mind right to manipulate you that way like a lot of them is is just cries for help or they happen to be uh just kind of lurking in the shadows right behind you this is reading your thoughts and learning you as a person and trying to like uh, get you personally right it, it's a very it's much more targeted that way and it, it, it feels like it just kind of adds to that overall creepy factor right uh, and the skinwalkers were even said to bring about things like um, crop failures, bad marriages, sicknesses, anything like that. Anything negative that happened within the tribe itself, it was always blamed on skinwalkers, putting curses or or um, putting spells on these people who have them have bad luck in their lives, right? So some stories or some videos uh, out there in this area that we've seen that I find the most unsettling, actually, uh, one of them in particular was a video of a woman's dog, right? It was in the backyard, and the dog was kind of freaking out a little bit. It was crying, uh, it was at night, and it was very dark, but the dog kept looking at something that was kind of out of the light, right? Just, no, just barely no. out of the light, right? So the woman goes to kind of investigate, And whenever the camera pans over to this tree that's there, you see the woman's dog again, right? But it's her dog's over there. It's over by the house. And the dog is whining exactly like the dog at the house. And it looks just as scared as the one up there. But it's just kind of hiding behind the tree a little bit, obscuring its entire body because it doesn't look exactly like the dog like it's a little off like it almost looks like someone kind of hunching over and mimicking this animal it's very disturbing to really see and it like really got to me and i was like oh my god like i don't know what i would do if i saw that like i'm surprised that they were filming it that long i would have been out of there so damn fast right like there's no way right but there's other accounts of um, people going camping in the desert and they hear their child's voice coming from the hills, right? And their kid is there with them, but they can hear their kid laughing out in the middle of the hills. And when they look, they see a coyote running away, right? Like that would freak me out, of course. Uh, And then there are some interesting videos of people who claim to have actually caught them mid-shape shift. And there's one where, like, we like watching these kind of paranormal videos, me and my partner, and she... Me and her always have like a good laugh about them because some of them are pretty funny. But every once in a while you get that one where we both kind of look at each other and go, oh, shit, that was probably real. (laughs) Like, I don't like that. That made me uncomfortable. But there was a, a woman running in the desert and some guy was trying to call out to her saying like, hey, do you need any help? But the only noises that were coming back were that of like a coyote. Right, so the person thought that there was a coyote nearby or something right, that would be my natural reaction at least that there's an animal that's really close to this woman, and she's out in the middle of nowhere, and maybe she needs some help. but while the camera is filming, this figure starts running away and then it gets on all fours, and it's literally running as if it's a fucking dog, right, and it's just gone and I'm like, oh my God, like it was terrifying to watch, and it was. <laughs> One of those that was like more like it was an old school camera, so it doesn't feel like it could be fake that much, right? Like it was weird. It was really disturbing because the body movement just didn't feel faked, right? Sometimes you can tell it's like, okay, that was probably a string or there's some CGI going on there, right? Like this just looked unnatural in a way that was very disturbing. But yeah, there's all kinds of accounts of skinwalkers there. It's very popular. I mean, there's the entire skinwalker ranch. Which uh, has gained a lot of popularity. They even have a show which you can watch on Netflix about it. That apparently is flooded with different types of like myths and lore and creepy things that are going on and curses on the land and all that stuff. But yeah, the the skinwalker is a very disturbing one, I would say, because it's so close and the fact that it really wants to target you specifically, right? Like it, it feels very poignant in its actions which is very disturbing
0: i'm so curious to find this stupid dog (laughs) the dog video disturbing
1: (laughs) i gotta find it i think it was on one of those like uh paranormal activity shows right like those those like call-in ones yeah we've seen way too
0: many of those I usually am like up to date with all those stupid videos. So I might have seen it in passing if it was older, but
1: yeah, it was disturbing. I didn't like it. I was like, oh God, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it's fucking frightening. (laughs) Right? I don't know. This one, like on the
1: surface, it just reads as like a a normal like werewolf thing, right? But Mm -hmm. when you start really looking into it, it's like, oh shit! Like this is actually creepy. (laughs) Like I don't like this one. This is much more than a werewolf, and I feel like it surprises me. Like there are skinwalker movies and horror movies out there. There are plenty of skinwalker
0: ranch. Yeah, but in Utah,
1: I feel like we don't have that many like well done versions of a skinwalker movie. Like I feel like that could be incredibly creepy especially if they play into the whole idea that it can read your mind. It can mimic voices of people that you love, right? Like I feel like that could get very, very scary, very quickly in a horror movie. Hell yeah. Yeah. It'd be fun to watch. I mean, cheer, I watch so many horror movies. If there is a good movie out there that does have skinwalkers in it, send it my way. I definitely want to watch it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I want to see it too. Hell yeah, man. So speaking of weird creatures, um, I got the Billywhack monster. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a creature from the Santa Puala area, Mm -hmm. which is in Ventura County, California. And it is a tall creature, somewhat ape-like with ram horns, gray hair, long claws. And it, the reason why it gets its name is that it, Haunts a specific dairy factory uh, called Billywhack uh, in Camellia Ranch. Uh, mostly it goes after high school students, uh, probably because they're usually the ones that go to the dairy plant, right? Um, it's been reported in the 50s that there was a kid who got clawed by a weird creature. It had like weird cuts all over its body and other kind of weird things that didn't really resemble anything like like a normal wild animal Mm -hmm. but supposedly he he walks around with a club sometimes and has been known to throw like giant rocks at people Hmm. but the weird thing about this story though so the dairy plant was once a very advanced dairy farm for the time Mm -hmm. right like the the fifties, forties, like it was very advanced. Uh, and it was, uh, started by a man named August Rubel who, uh, moved from Switzerland and he was originally a field medic, but this is where the conspiracy starts. So supposedly he had connections to the office of strategic services, which nowadays is just called the CIA. Um, many people basically believe that he was doing experiments in the basement uh, trying to create like a super soldier Hmm. and they people have found or have said that there are a lot of underground tunnels in this dairy plant and it still exists to this day Uh, i don't i can't find anything if it's still running but people still own it Uh, people have videos going to the planet's private properties so not many people can actually do anything there but um yeah so supposedly there's just this creature roaming around i mean i feel like y- when i was digging through all these stories there was always kind of going back to some guy trying to create super soldiers <laughs> um <laughs> which go back to that well, it's interesting because, so, in San Diego, on uh, downtown, there's these sidewalks that sometimes have these little glass squares in the ground. Uh, supposedly, it's to allow light in for, like, basements and stuff that is, like, under the street. But many people believe that there's underground labs, or there were labs down there. And basically, they would take homeless people and bring them down there. Which I mean, if you live in San Diego, you know like that.
1: I mean, there's plenty. They're taking them homeless out.
0: people. They're not doing a very good job because there's millions of them. But <laughs> yeah,
1: and I don't know if I would want to make a super soldier out of the homeless people that are here.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd be a little frightening. Although but. there
1: is that one that kept coming to our work. I don't know if you remember him. His name, uh, like he was there all the time, but he was strong as hell and scary. <laughs> like. He was the, probably the biggest or like most fit homeless person I've ever seen, but he wasn't all there and he would kind of freak out on people. And it was pretty nuts. But I remember seeing him in Balboa Park working out actually by lifting the trash cans that are there. And those trash cans, uh, like outside of Balboa Park, is they're concrete like barrels basically. Like, they are terrifying. It's so heavy, and he was just, like, lifting these things. That, that was a lot. So super maybe, soldier. Maybe he was a super soldier, yeah. <laughs> that's thought. frightening. Yeah. Maybe that's why so many people are a little crazy out here.
0: Maybe. It makes total sense.
1: hmm Super soldier, but the brain can't keep up, right? Don't know what to do with it? It's possible.
0: Shall I leave us? Everyone with one last final story?
1: Yeah. Why don't we, why don't we leave them with a, a little
0: one real quick? All right. So we got one also in Ventura County, um, specifically Ojai Valley, uh, called the Charman. And not Charman, right? The Charmander? The paper guy. Charmander. Ooh, Charmander, too. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Um So, there's actually quite a lot of different tales of different ghosts in this valley, specifically. Like, surprisingly, a lot of people have died. Uh, Apparently, like, a school bus flipped or something, and I think, like, more than 12 people died just from that. And there's, you know, a woman that's, you know, the whole white dress. Oh, a bride got left behind or something like that. Like, there's always those stories there. Mm Mm-hmm there's one that's been passed down through generations that supposedly people are still talking about to this day. And it's called the charred man. And he, he said to attack people who go out on the bridge and yell for him specifically, or just in general, hmm. uh, other people have said that he'll terrorize like cyclists or just people in general in the area. But so, He's called The Charred Man because, well, there's three different stories to this that I found, but the one that most people seem to agree with was that it was a father and son in the middle of the woods. Uh, Very remote. No one really around. Well, one day, a fire starts in the house. And the fire supposedly kills the dad. Uh, the son kind of gets away, but the son is also gravely injured to the point where he's like burned, like mm. very badly, uh, and kind of loses it. Right. So when firefighters came and people came to investigate the area, no one found the son, but they found the father, who was not only hanging from a tree. But he was also skinless. Mm. So it's been said that the son, who has charred skin and smells like a burnt flesh, steals the skin off of individuals, even though it's only been reported that, you know, his father. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Imagine you're just cruising through the woods and you just see this man that looks burnt to a crisp approach you. Yeah, no.
1: You're out camping
0: one night and you smell something. You're like, oh, man, did we forget to put out the campfire? You look out. But because his skin's so burnt black, you can't see him in that dark dark air. And as you slowly zip up the tent, his face creeps in. Mm -mm. Yeah, fuck camping. Mm Mm-mm. I
1: love camping, but damn.
0: <laughs> I know. I, it, it's like, you know, I refuse to read any of these kind of stories in areas that I would go camping.
1: Yeah, we're super morbid because on our way to camping spots, we always look up like urban legends and stuff for the areas.
0: <laughs> well, I've done that for Joshua Tree, but that's about it. But... Joshua
1: Tree was a lot. There was so much like we, oh, yeah. we decided to listen to that on the way back and just hearing how many dead bodies there are out there. I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like i'm glad we listened to this on our way out <laughs> all right well that's going to do it do it for us this time we hope you guys have enjoyed all of these little myths and legends from our own backyard right like, there's crazy to think that this is just the tip of the iceberg for how many stories are in the united states well not just in the united states in in the Southwest, right? Like California, Arizona, Utah area. There were so many legends and like scary things out there to dive into and just kind of enjoy and get spooked out by. But we'll talk to you guys next time with probably some more spooky stories. It's uh, just to kind of continue and close up Spooky Month. It is Halloween after all, right around the corner. So, what a better time to dive into these scary stories. But until then, bye for now.